0: Helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network, with your host Paul Engel. We all use labels to group people together: leftists versus rightists, progressives versus uh, conservatives. Democrats versus Republican. These are all labels we apply in order to group people together. Now I'm not a psychologist, but my guess is that this is a, a form of shorthand, a, a way to quickly place a person into a context that we can readily understand and use. Now, sadly, the shorthand can become very dangerous, especially when it grows into collectivism where we see the the group, the collective, rather than the individual. Now, stereotypes exist because they are believed to be generally true. They are the basis of most uh, ethnic jokes, which I know are not considered uh, politically correct anymore, but they were around for many, many years, and many of them were really funny. See, but when everything becomes groups and stereotypes, individuality gets crushed And as those labels and the stereotypes become doctrine, the liberty to live your life as you see fit gets crushed as well. So today, I want to look at some of these collectives and the impact collectivism has on American society. I suggest you buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because if my experience is true, you may be a collectivist and not even realize it. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I am glad you could join me today because this idea of collectivism versus liberty is one that's been bouncing around in my head and I think just for whatever reason has come top of mind to discuss with you today. Now, we all use labels, But I've actually spent the last few years really trying to get away from labels. You you meet somebody and they ask you, uh, you know, things like, well, are you a a progressive or conservative, Republican or Democrat? And it's meant, as I said, as as a form of shorthand. See, if I come to you today and say, I'm a conservative, you immediately form in your mind certain assumptions About my beliefs, my understandings, probably the way I live my life. The problem I've run into for so many years is your definition of conservative and my definition of conservatives can be vastly different. The the perfect example in my mind is this idea of a rhino, a Republican in name only. Now, this is used by people that, that have a certain expectation of Republicans. They see them as as conservatively minded, and to them that means there are certain policies and and, and that they need to adhere to. Some people look at it as as you, you must do whatever you can to elect a Republican, and if you're not, well, then you're a Republican name only. And this all comes from an individual's expectation of what a Republican is. I've said for many years, I don't believe there is such a thing as a rhino. Because a Republican is somebody who has joined a political faction and whose primary uh, purpose, whose primary goal for that faction is to get other members elected. So when you have someone like a Susan Collins that is uh, very progressive, and a lot of people call a rhino, um, I say, well, but wait a second, she's a Republican. She's holding policies that she believes will get her elected in her district as a Republican. Therefore, isn't she fulfilling the goal of Republicans? Same thing with a, a Mitch McConnell. Right? You see Mitch McConnell, and you disagree with how he, he goes about his business, the, the, the legislation he supports, the candidates he supports, and you call people call him a rhino. And I said, but wait a second. He's doing what he thinks will get other Republicans elected. Now, he may be right and he may be wrong, but does that mean he's not a Republican anymore? Or that his quote-unquote Republicanism is meaningless? And of course, I see it on the other side as well. Remember when, when candidate Joe Biden said that if you don't vote for me, you ain't black? So he has he sees people in colors and he has certain expectations of black people, and one of them is to support the Democratic candidate for any office, and if you don't do that, well, then you're not black. But there's another danger behind this, this collectivist mindset, and, and that is the misassigning of a label. Now, if you've been following some of the news lately, you've probably heard about the was the Hamilton 68 dashboard. It was a, a uh, a, a website that was supposed to track Russian bots and uh, it was used in the by the media and by many as a uh, a proof that uh, some of the the current social concerns of the day were nothing more than than Russian influence Russian disinformation. see if you got labeled by the Hamilton 68 dashboard as a Russian bot well immediately the media and, and many people, Disregarded what you said Not because what you said was wrong But because you got Labeled as a Russian bot Well you see Finally somebody took a look and said Well who are these accounts That Hamilton 68 Has labeled Russian bots you See as part of the Twitter files my Taibbi, uh was looking At the, the Hamilton 68 dashboard From, from uh, Twitter and guess what He found The majority of the accounts that the Hamilton 68 dashboard labeled as Russian bots were actually plain old ordinary accounts. But because you were labeled as a Russian bot, people were expected to ignore what you say, to to pretend it didn't really exist. As Elon Musk put it, this is the biggest journalism scandal, scandal in a very long time. Imagine, Just imagine how it would feel to have a a completely true statement ignored because you were labeled a Russian bot, even worse because you were falsely labeled a Russian bot. What happens when we start treating people based on their collective associations rather than their individual actions? By the way, this is the very purpose of this this intersectionality theory that has been traveling the country that you are merely an intersection of your of the oppressed groups you are a member of. So you can be an extremely rich, you can be wealthy, you can be powerful, you can have all sorts of influence over others. But you see if you happen to be a, a, a black homosexual, uh, um, th- or, or pick what other group: female, a black, a black lesbian female. Well, then guess what? You are oppressed, not because of you, but because you're a part of three groups that are labeled as oppressed groups. And it goes simply beyond intersectionality. Now, we have heard back on January 20th, while tens of thousands of pro-life activists were in Washington D.C., a group went to the Air and Spa- the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, where they were kicked out because they were wearing hats with a pro-life message. Now, my purpose here today is not to discuss the, the actual throwing out and, and all that, but think for a second. These people were thrown out because they were labeled pro-life. In fact, they labeled themselves pro-life. And because of that... They were thrown out of the Air and Space Museum Simply because of a label they had assigned That identifies their position That they uh, uh, they promote life But you see, that group Conflicted with a- another group That apparently many of the employees Or at least some of the employees At the Air and Space Museum Disagreed with That would be pro- the pro-abortion Or as they call themselves, pro-choice Except apparently, don't want people to choose life. You see how the camps form? was there anything in the to say you know rosary for life or or just to have say pro life do you really understand what that person is is promoting? or do you follow a caricature a straw man based on the group they're a member of? or what about the uh, universities of central florida that had a whole that a web page set up for race based scholarships again we're not talking about picking people giving them scholarships based on their their ability or their need but because they tick the group the label of a certain race now the university quietly deleted the web page they removed that page but understand the underlying philosophy is probably still there. If you are black, Latino, um, you know, or in, uh, Native American, well, guess what? We're going to set up scholarships just for you. Now, here's what's interesting, because if these are private scholarships, in other words, they're not publicly funded, these are private scholarships. Well, then that private person has every right to set up a race-based scholarship. By the way, for either minority races or majority races. But you see, we're back to that, oh, that looks bad. Now, maybe the University of Central Florida realizes that maybe having scholarships based on race is not an image we want to put forward. That's not what we want people to think about us. And they took it down. But understand, we are living in a racist country. Not like we did in the 1950s and 60s, where, the, the, um, where society in, in parts of this country and governments in parts of this country opple- oppress people because of their race. No. We are watching a, 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 an, an academic, a, a legislative, a bureaucratic, um, and a media entity that views people based on race that truly thinks of people only in the collective of race and they promote that idea of you know if you're white you're an oppressor if you're if you're dark colored then you've been oppressed regardless of the truth regardless of the facts of your life and this is being taught in many cases to our children just look at all the CRT like Training that's going on in what is laughably called our public schools. These are government-run schools. These are government-run institutions of indoctrination. But there is a Florida teacher right now who's um, they're they're feeling a bit of heat because uh, they they post uh, reportedly posted a video showing the white students in their in, in his classroom bowing down to black students. See, there was no look at, well, what did the white students do? What did the black students do? Now, they were collectively identified by the color of their skin. And it was actually the teacher that became the oppressor, allegedly. Because if the teacher required the white students to bow to the black students, the teacher not only was oppressing the white students, but by falsely elevating the black students without any uh, any basis for it, he was setting them up for failure as well. You see, if you've been taught in school that people owe you simply because of the color of your skin, that is no different than what we had back in the antebellum South, where you owed your work to your master simply because of the color of your skin. The only difference is who... Is is oppressing whom? But it all is based on this idea of collectivism. If you are black, you are X. If you are white, you are X. And of course, we see it a lot in higher education where schools are placing quotas, and they don't want too many Asian uh, children in the class, or they don't want too many Asian students in the university, not because they aren't qualified, but because they're in the wrong group They've had the wrong label And judging people based on some Arbitrary attribute Some label they place on themselves Or some label that gets placed on them Now this can have some extremely serious consequences Well imagine you were on that United Airlines Or that US Air flight out of, uh, out of New York that lost both engines at low altitude. You know, the miracle on the Hudson. Now, let me ask you, while you're sitting in there with two dead engines just a few thousand feet off the ground, do you care what color your pilots are? Was anybody in the back saying, hey, we got to get rid of Sullenberger, he's too white. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the first officer's name, although he did an excellent job. We, he needs to be replaced with a, a black person or a, or a, a, a Latin American person. See, when your life is on the line, the foolishness of these groups kind of comes to light. Sometimes the uh, the consequences are not so deadly, but they are just as impactful. Now, I have some other examples from recent news reports that shows the danger of this collectivist idea that we have as a people seem to have adopted. But I have to take a break first. Before I do go, though, please head to my website, constitutionstudy.com. Uh, sign up for one of my mailing lists. You, know, you, get, you can get my monthly newsletter or my insider. You can even have my articles and videos delivered directly to your email as soon as they're published. Maybe you can, can uh, ask a question. I love answering questions. Just mark it if you want me to answer it on the radio, and I'd be happy to. And hey, if you can donate to the cause, so much the better. But you can find all that at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Now, the other thing I'd like you to consider is your health. See, if you don't have your health, what have you got? So if you want to support your immune system, it's the important part of of your body defending itself against all the the germs and whatnot in the world, I suggest you try Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost. It combines over a dozen immune supplements in a single travel-ready gel pack, easy to use. So, if you're worried about your health or you're going somewhere where your, your immune system may be compromised, try this. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order of Immune Super Booster or anything from Healthy Cell. Just use the code Out Loud at checkout. So, again, please go to healthycell.com, put your cart together, try the Immune Super Booster or any of their products, but use that code Out Loud at checkout. It lets them know you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order.
1: get real let's get loud on america loud talk radio make sure you go to our website and check the banner bars the banner bars to the sponsors when you click on them automatically give you a discount on products i like especially healthy cell rem sleep supplement for a great night's sleep i took it last night no wonder i feel so good today check out healthy cell and go to our website banner bar to get a discount off your first purchase. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time.
0: Welcome back Everyday Americans here. We join the Constitution study where we read, instead of the Constitution, we teach the rising generation to be free. And today we're talking about collectivism versus liberty. Uh, The first segment I talked mostly about about race, but I did talk a little bit about the the Russian bot scandal from Hamilton 68. But I want to switch gears to another set of of collectivist ideas, and we're going to start with this gentleman by the name of Sam Britton. Here is a perfect example. You have a gentleman with one, probably several, mental disorders. See, he claims to be gender fluid, which means he can't understand reality. He doesn't understand the basic biology. He's just confused, and he shows it. Now listen, he wants to wear lipstick and a skirt. Okay. But here you have a man with an obvious mental disorder given a a fairly high post in the federal government, and we can get away with it because we label him as gender fluid. The man is then found not once but twice is arrested for stealing women's luggage. But for the most part, people say, well, that's okay. See, we've labeled him gender fluid. See, because of his label, we have to treat him differently than everybody else. Now I don't, but society does. See, rather than treating the, obvious, the, the apparent mental disorder, we label him as gender fluid, and then people are willing to let him get away with things. He is arrested, he's accused of being a thief. Now, as I understand it, he did leave his job eventually He wasn't, I don't believe he was fired Or what about, what about this example out of uh, Los Angeles Now this one, if I get this goofed up because it's, it's confusing, i all get out There's a man by the name of Hannah Tubbs uh, He was at—he uh, uh, was charged with murder uh, For using a, a, a rock to murder another member of a, a survivalist group he was part of But you see, the the lead prosecutor is accused of misgendering Mr. Mr. Tubbs. And for that, the L.A. District Attorney has suspended the lead prosecutor. Now, what's interesting is, while refusing to comment on the specifics, the uh, uh, Communications Bureau Director for the Los Angeles County District Attorney, Said that uh, the transgender community Is frequently the target of violent attacks What does that have to do with This You've got a dude Now unless he's gone through Surgery He looks like a dude He acts like a dude But you see He's labeled himself as transgender He's calling himself a woman Even though biologically he's a man And by the way even after he gets surgery He's still biologically a man He's just a, a mutilated man. But you see, because we've put this 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 Mr. Tubbs in a group, we've labeled him transgender, now the rules all change. I wonder, if I were to go to California and I were to be accused of a crime, if I were to be charged with a crime and someone referred to me as Mrs. Engel, do you think Mr. Gascon would, um, would have suspended that prosecutor? For referring to me as Mrs. Engel? I don't think so. See, the idea of equal protection under the law gets destroyed when we start when we create these, these groups and give them special protections. And the other thing we see is we see adults trying to force children into these groups. We saw it with the, the Florida teacher who got the white students to bow to the black students. Well, in another example, um, there's a Rhode Island kids club that asks children as young as nine if they are transgender or non-binary. See, the Warwick, Rhode Island chapter of the Boys and Girls Club of America I remember when the Boys and Girls Club of America understood that there were boys and girls, but apparently this chapter doesn't, because they sent out surveys. They sent out one to 9 to 12 years old, and another to 13 to 18 years old. And at the beginning of the survey, they asked their member ID, their age, their birthday, their grade, and then asked them, were they male, female, transgender, non-binary? Now, maybe at 13... I I don't think it's appropriate to do so Especially since they were hiding this Apparently from the parents At the very least They didn't inform the parents beforehand But here you have The Boys and Girls Club of America At least in Warwick, Rhode Island That doesn't know the difference Between a boy and a girl anymore And I wonder just how many 9, 10, 11 11 12 year olds would check something different just to be a, a lark, a goof, and then get groomed into that decision. So that's what happens when we worry more about groups than we do about individuals. Now, there are some people putting back. There's a a Colorado school district um, that uh, the parents were... Uh, well, they were pretty upset by the school's transgender student policy. So the school is... Um, well, I guess they're withdrawing it. They've stopped. What, what they're doing is they're stop. They're no longer going to conceal a student's tro- quote unquote transgender identity from the parents, unless they have reason to believe that the child is facing a safety threat. Now, I I don't know. Based on some of the other reports I've seen, I wouldn't be surprised to find teachers suddenly come up with, oh, but there was a. We were concerned that. Uh, uh, you know, little Jimmy would be abused at home. Uh, that his parents would would uh, uh, tell him, "No, little Jimmy's a boy. He's not little Susie." In other words, I I that that um, I, I get very concerned when you're talking about a safety threat without any uh, requirement of probable cause. But you see what happens when we place people in a group like this? We say, "Oh, you get a label. We're going to treat you special." I'm wondering: Do the heterosexual boys and girls, do, do the the um, the school not tell the parents if they're doing something weird? You know, if they they suddenly decide they're you know, just imagine. Here's little Tommy. He shows up to school one day. And says, "Don't call me Tommy. Call me Batman," and refuses to answer to Tommy and becomes disruptive. I'm telling you, would would the would the parents be notified? Sure. Little Tommy shows up one day and refuses to answer to Tommy and says, "Uh, No, I want you to call me Tina. They were hiding it from the parents. And of course, the other problem we have with these collectivist ideas, these grouping people together, is the attempt to suppress the ideas of the opposing group. For example, you know, the the idea that um, since we're talking transgenderism, that, uh, you know, we should encourage. Anybody who even thinks they might sort of kind of be transgender To prevent suicide Now The fact that suicide rates among those who transition and don't transition Appear to be pretty much the same It ignores the consequences of the decision There's a young woman, uh, Chloe Cole She once identified as transgender Uh, She's now suing the medical professionals, and the hospitals that that uh, performed her sex change procedures because now she regrets the, the, the change. Now, Ms. Cole received puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and a double mastectomy all between the ages of 13 and 17. In other words, when she was a minor. Now, even before... Uh, uh, The age of 13 Before she first identified as transgender She had What what is referred to by her attorneys As numerous mental health issues So despite these these, uh, um, The signs that We should not proceed Medical professionals Immediately affirmed her identity And put her on the path To a life changing Experiences even though, the from the medical standpoint, these numerous mental health issues should have been a red flag. Don't proceed with physical changes until you deal with the mental issues. Nope, they went ahead. Now, she says she's not alone in her pain and suffering, you know, in, a, in, a, in a press release she made. She says she's going forward, she's taking legal actions, because more and more blood is being spilled by these individuals that are more interested in the group than in the individual's medical needs that's what she's claiming if she showed up at 13 with numerous medical or mental issues if you look at the individual you say well you know maybe we should should uh, slow roll this maybe we should look at the mental issues first but because she was I, would be identified in a group called transgender well, now we just have to rush, rush, rush right through this without those basic safeguards, and it's this this loss of individuality, and lo- that that also means a loss of liberty. So I remember a, a, a story. A rabbi told me an interesting story. See, when in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when Israel built an altar, when anybody uh, any of the Hebrews built an altar, they were to use uncut stones. I think I'm sure I've told the story before. You take uncut stones, and you have to you have to fit them. They're not easily stuck together. You fit them. And I've, again, having grown up in the Northeast, I've seen mile-long dry-fit, dry-stacked stone walls because their imperfections allow them to interlink and gain strength. Now, compare that with the Tower of Babel, where the Babylonians, well, they made bricks. They're manufactured. They're man-made, and they're all uniform. And you can't stack them very high before you need mortar to hold them together. So think about it. You have these these collectivist groups. I said we want uniformity within our group. You have to believe certain things. You have to uh, make certain statements. Uh, um, you know, if you're if you're identified, you have to do certain things. It's pretty much a religious belief At that point Or if you're uncomfortable with that term It's an act of faith It's an act of faith that um, At 13 this young lady Was transgender That that is It was her identity And she had to be made to conform With that identity And anything that got in the way Well was either disregarded Or not, not given Sufficient consideration By the way, it's the same logic by which uh, Joe Biden says, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Different groups, same thing. We eliminate the individuality. We put people in groups and then enforce uniformity. See, the idea of a a label as a shortcut, as as a shorthand, if you're only using it as a starting point, then uh i guess it makes sense i mean if i go to a, a certain meeting a certain rally a certain event i put certain you know i have certain assumptions about the people i'm going to meet there but what if once i meet them if i allow my interactions with them to overwrite my my defaults right? If I go to if I go to a Mike Lindell rally, I'm expecting to find people that most people would label as conservative, that they're going to have issues with um, electronic voting. They're going to have issues with the voting. But once I meet, those are kind of like my defaults. But once I meet individuals and I talk to individuals and I see, well, yeah, maybe this person's there, but they're not a, so much on the electronic voting. They have other things they're concerned with. Those those that shorthand becomes a starting place that the individual interaction builds on top of. The problem is we are now enforcing conformity to the standard. But there is no single standard. Uh, the, the term conservatives conservative is used by so many different people, and it means different things to different people, especially in different contexts. Even the term patriot has now got different meanings to different people. To one group, a patriot is somebody who loves the United States, wants to make America great again, that supports this country no matter what. To others, a patriot is a, is a dangerous militia person that's anti-government. So even a single term like patriot or a patriot group means different things to different people. And when we try to enforce those on others, or not simply, uh, and again, I'm not necessarily talking about the the physical enforcement. I can't tell you how many times somebody has sent me an email or commented uh, commented on something, and simply assumed certain things about me. I love when people tell me what I think. People who've never met me, people who wouldn't know me if we bumped into each other in the grocery store, tell me what I think. Not based on what I've said But their interpretation of what I've said This, you know, if you say this thing You're part of this group Therefore you believe this And again, it's dangerous It is, it, you know, it, it leads to the, the, the socialism, communism uh, Marxism, Maoism They all run around this idea of collective You are not an individual You're part of a collective Like the Borg you might as well I mean it, it's it's variations of the Borg and if you're not a Star Trek fan, look it up on the internet you'll see what I mean. It destroys individuality. it it it's it's used to prevent people from expressing different ideas. Oh, you're a conservative. well, you can't say that um, uh, pe- uh, people should be able to smoke marijuana because in someone's mind, A conservative is against the the use of marijuana Therefore you can't be a conservative And be okay with with legalization of marijuana See, we diminish, we destroy Not just the individual But we destroy liberty Because you have to force people To conform to the collective Now I have some other examples You may be surprised where I go with some of these but again, I have to take a break before I do that. Now, I wanted to remind you that the Constitution study is just one of many voices heard here in America Out Loud. So go every day to com. Look at the different voices, the, the different stories, the different articles, the podcasts, the videos, the individuality and the individual points of view. And rather than expecting them to conform to your understanding, listen to theirs and then share them. Expose other people to different ideas. See, that's how we maintain individuality, by allowing people to believe different things and to follow those pursuits. That is how we secure the blessings of liberty. Not by conformity, but by allowing others liberty.
1: Outloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Outloud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
2: We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today.
0: Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're discussing collectivism, Versus liberty. I've talked about race. I've talked about transgender. I'm going to go after now the vaccines and I'm going to give you what I think is an excellent example, not only of this collectivist idea and the dangers of it, but what happens to someone when they get slapped upside the head with it. I'm taking audio from uh, uh, Alan Dershowitz, who back in 2020 said, let me put it very clearly you have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread a disease even if you disagree you have no right not to be vaccinated you have no right not to wear a mask you have no right to open up your business wait if, can i stop you state, Did, yeah no right not to be vaccinated meaning if they decide if, you have to be ac- vaccinated we have to be vaccinated absolutely and if you refuse to be vaccinated the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. Now, that was Alan Dershowitz back in 2020, and he was wrong on so many levels. Yes, you have a constitutionally protected right to not get vaccinated, to not have control of your body taken away from you without due process. Now, part of the problem is uh, Mr. Dershowitz was Misinformed. This, by the way, is what happens when you take a a constitutional lawyer's point of view, when you study constitutional law rather than the Constitution itself. See, the assumption was, oh, well, this is a deadly disease that everybody's getting and dying from, that that simply walking around asymptomatically meant you were killing people. That has been proven to be false. It also assumed that the, the, he said, well, as long as the vaccine was designed to present the spread, to prevent the spread, just because it's designed a certain way doesn't mean it works. And by the way, if any government official, any government official shows up and tries to drag me to a doctor's office to punch a needle in my arm, they are going to be met with the end of a gun because they are an imminent threat to my, my health and my safety, my life. There is no constant. But again, we have this collectivist idea. We get... Collectivist information, we, don't, we aren't exposed to contradictory ideas because it doesn't meet the collectivist narrative, and you have a, a prominent lawyer who studied constitutional law rather than the supreme law of the land, lying, or I should just say lying, he believes this, he, he was wrong, not even close. In fact, if the government followed his recommendations, those individual actors would be committing federal crimes. Now compare that collectivist idea in 2020 to Alan Dershowitz in 2023. I, I don't believe in mandatory vaccination uh, now. I, what I said was if there came a time when we had a a real pandemic that was killing people and there was a perfect vaccine, um, that there would be no constitutional right for somebody to say, no, I'm, I'm going to spread the disease and I'm going to be typhoid Mary. The government, under a Supreme Court decision in 1905, would have the power to compel vaccination. We're not even close to that situation today, so I'm not in favor of compelled vaccination at all today. So, oh, well, if we had a real pandemic. Oh, so now COVID-19 was a pandemic. Oh, okay, And we had a a perfect vaccine. You didn't say anything about a perfect vaccine before, Mr. Dershowitz. You claimed simply designing it to, to, to protect. You said nothing about probable cause. You said nothing about having to show that that person was actually a danger. And in fact, that 1905 case, I'm drawing a blank on, the, on the, the, the name of the case, but if memory serves, it said the state of Massachusetts could require a vaccine or a fine. A $5 fine for someone who had probable cause that had been infected with smallpox. Not a blanket that Mr. Dershowitz is talking about. But now he says, oh, now I don't believe in mandatory vaccination. What changed between 2020 and 2023? Um, I've had the Pfizer, uh, all of them, plus the booster. Uh, and tragically, after years of not having um, uh, COVID, um, uh, I came back from a trip, a long airplane ride, and went to a Christmas party, which I probably shouldn't have wore a wow. mask, and did get did get COVID and had a pretty bad case of it for three weeks. So now, Mr. Dershowitz, after having a law enforcement officer drag you, drag someone to a doctor's office, forcibly inject them with an experimental treatment in violation of law, in violation of medical ethics, in violation of all convention, when we find out it doesn't work, oh, now it's not mandatory. This is the problem with the collectivist, the group think. By ignoring things like due process and probable cause, by ignoring actual facts and data, only taking what you've been told is, is designed, when it bites you in the backside, now he's not interested in mandatory vaccination. Now, if Mr. Dershowitz was a man of character, he would take out a front page ad on every on the major national newspapers, pointing to his 2020 interview and his 2023 interview, saying, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Mea culpa. But you see, he doesn't. He he qualifies, he justifies. Why? Because he's in the group think. He's in the collectivists that say whatever government tells us is okay. When the government told us this was a pandemic and everybody needed to get shots, that's okay. When every when the government says, "Well, you know, it's still an emergency," but the evidence bites us in the backside, now it's not. That's the problem of collectivism. Where's the individual in Mister Dershowitz's idea? Even today, he says, "I'm not for mandatory vaccination. I don't truly believe he's for liberty and individual rights." He's for collective rights. If it's a collective danger, you don't matter. Your life doesn't matter. Your health doesn't matter. All that matters is the collective. And again, he's not alone. States across the country are doing what Connecticut is considering, and that is passing legislation to allow children as young as 12 to get vaccines without parental consent to take a child that has neither the life experience nor the the concept of a lifelong impact to decide such mental such, such health issues, separate from the parents, to detach them from the parents. See, there's a collective. You can't have a parent with an individual idea. You must be part of the collective. So we're going to take them and we're going to take them away from their parents and put them into the collective of the school, the government school. We're going to indoctrinate them in brainwashing with you have to do what the government says, regardless of whether it's legal or not. And then we're going to say, forget talking to your parents. You make a decision about putting stuff in your body that will have a lifelong impact. And again, I'm not simply talking about COVID, these are any vaccines. Does a child understand whether or not they've had bad reactions to previous vaccines? Do you you expect a 12-year-old to go, I'm sorry, but, you know, when I was an infant, I had a bad reaction to to a certain vaccine, therefore, I shouldn't take this one. No. See, this is, we're going to separate the child from an individual caring parent or pair of parents, and we're going to put them in the collective, the board collective. That government has become And then once we've indoctrinated With the idea of Well if the government says so You better do it How do we do that? Guess what? What's the first thing you're taught In public school? If you want to say something Raise your hand You got to go to the bathroom Raise your hand You have a question Raise your hand Want to answer a question Raise your hand Wait until government gives you per- the government actor Gives you permission And again This is not a new phenomenon you weren't allowed to choose uh, uh, your own healthcare plan, how you pay for your healthcare, what's in the plan. You're not allowed to choose that anymore. I contend that never in my 54 years on this earth, I have never had a free choice of healthcare options. Now, I probably, maybe I could, maybe it's possible if I went completely outside the system. But when I was a child, my, my health care decisions, my, my health insurance decisions were covered by my parents. They decided for me. When I became an adult, well, it was usually decided by my employer. They chose plans for me. When I became a, 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 a sole proprietor, when I left corporate America and worked for myself to find health insurance, all, all the health insurance was regulated by. The government telling me what I could and could not include. I've never truly, even today, unless I were to completely forego health insurance, I don't have a free choice for my health care. I don't have a choice for myself. I don't have a choice for my wife. I spend an inordinate amount of time just trying to deal with the paperwork for these different insurance companies. And much of that paperwork is actually dictated by governments. I don't have; we don't have a choice because we've been treated like a collective. I don't have individual healthcare. Uh, uh, um, I don't have a, a truly individual healthcare choices. I have to pick an insurance program that is covered by uh, or that is regulated meets the requirements of both state and federal government. Same for my wife now if my wife it's it's funny because my wife uh has has m s um there's a couple of fairly exotic medicines that keep her allow her to keep mobile allow allow her to keep her out of a nursing home i mean the ability simply the ability to get in and out of a wheelchair but you see according to the insurance companies they don't want to pay for the very 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 expensive Medication Because as a collective They don't see the value in it And when we turn people Into collectives When we don't see the the individual But we only see the group Then things Can become very Very deadly well, For example uh, Michael Hugo He is the chair of the Framingham Massachusetts Democratic Committee And he argued before a city council meeting that crisis pregnancy centers are a danger to the community because their screening might not catch a birth defect, which might result in a a live birth of a disabled child that would be very expensive to care for. That's right. That child doesn't matter. That life doesn't matter because it's too expensive. Now, Mr. Hugo is not simply chair of that one group. Oh, no, 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 no. He's the director of policy and government affairs for the Massachusetts Association of Health Boards. See, Mr. Hugo doesn't see a child. Mr. Hugo doesn't even see a family. He sees a financial burden on society. That is the collectivist view he brings forth what happens when your life is judged based on how expensive it is to be taken care of how, when we judge you based on, on your contributions to society versus your expenses to society do we simply kill you because your life unworthy of life labens and vertens labens do we wait till you're elderly deny you treatment and allow you to die because well it would just be too expensive to actually care for you anymore. See the the most one of the most dangerous parts of a collectivist view is we, we lose individuality and we lose individual value. Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary defined civil liberty as the ability to live your life as you see fit without unnecessary External influence He said any law That would infringe on your rights Without being necessary For the safety and security of society Was tyranny This collectivist Idea, this this model That looks only at the collective Whether that be based on race On sexual expression On on anything On whether or not you want to, to Be a medical guinea pig Is destructive of that liberty It says we're not worried about the safety of society We're worried about the color of the skin We're not worried about the safety of individuals We're worried about how we look How diverse we are We're not even worried about The health of society We need to be equitable And if it means the individual must pay To make the group seem equitable so be it. This focus on groups is the antithesis of liberty. It is the destruction of liberty. It is the extinguishing of the sacred fires of liberty. I encourage you to follow an example I'm, trying, I'm working out for myself. Not to label people. Not to assign labels to myself. When someone asks me uh, to, to label myself one way or another, I refuse. Because I recognize that that labeling is the road to tyranny. Once we identify more as a group than as an individual, I am a person. The only group I'm a member of is my family. My wife is my other half. My daughter is our progeny. Other than that, I don't label myself. And I try not to label people. I don't always succeed, but I try. Because I want to give the other the dignity and the liberty to make their own decisions and suffer their own consequences. Just as I would want them to do the same for me. This focus on groups On, on uh, identity is not a road to good intentions It's a road straight to hell Now if you like this episode Or the other episodes you hear Remember you can listen to the Constitution Study Every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time On America Out Loud Talk Radio Heard in the iHeart Radio Network Bring some friends Share this information Let them know If they can't listen, then, well, all my shows go to podcasts a day or two after they're heard on the radio. Find them with your favorite podcast app. But if you can, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe. It helps other people find the Constitution study as well. Now, you can find all the links right there on the homepage at AmericaOutloud.com. But as I said, share them. Don't let America fall into the tyranny of collectivism, but spread liberty to the blessing of individuality.